Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. We have a timely lesson, a detailed lesson uh, today for the brothers and sisters uh, worldwide. Um, I think that it's important that we go into the understanding of Gentiles. Now, we have a, a large following online. We have people in other countries following us. So we think that before they get too deep in, we should just, you know, establish some foundation uh, because with this day and age of internet, there's so many people teaching the Bible. There's so many quote unquote camps or churches that you could in your youth stumble somewhere that would cause you to have some type of venom or vitriol against somebody or just completely be outside of the doctrine of Christ. So our job is to prepare brothers and sisters. Therefore, when they when they come against that, you know, that they can defend, they can defend themselves. So we wanted to go into the understanding of Gentiles. What is their place? They need to know their place, and Israelites need to know their place. What is their work, if any, within the work of Christ? So we're going to go into the the doctrine of Christ in regards to Gentiles, brothers and sisters. We're going to start in the Zondervan Bible Dictionary, and we're going to read the definition of Gentiles for those who may be new. Uh, Some people have just found out they're Israelites maybe this year, maybe a few months ago. So we want to just keep it on a base level. And give brothers and sisters the understanding. Page 195. Gentiles. Nation. People. Usually it means a non-Israelite people. Read that part again. Usually it means a non-Israelite people. Right. So anybody that's outside of the children of Israel is considered a Gentile. Now there's extenuating circumstances where an Israelite can be called a Gentile also, but predominantly a Gentile is somebody outside of the 12 tribes. Outside, brothers and sisters. So we wanted to put that out there so you can have that understanding because, excuse me, we were taught, the Negroes, the African Americans were taught that we were Gentiles. I was taught that I was a Gentile. And, you know, come to find out, it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gentiles should know who they are and we should know who they are. Now, we have to go into... How do we treat them? What responsibility do they have? Will they be an authority? All of these questions will be answered tonight. For anybody who have a question in regards to how the Commandment Keeper Church feels about Gentiles, you can just play this video for them and it'll say everything. We're going to go into a detail, brothers and sisters. We're going to talk about Gentile conversions. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. We're going to take our time. Uh, read that one more time, brother. Gentiles. Usually, it means a non-Israelite people. Now, I wanted to go into this because many years ago, I had a sister tell me, um, "Don't teach you shouldn't." Te- she didn't tell me what to do, but she was saying I, I shouldn't teach Gentiles. She was like, "You know, just get our people together. Uh, you know, we're the ones struggling. You, there's no need to teach them." And you know what? I understand completely where she's coming from. She was in her youth. She was young in the truth. So I understand. We want something to be ours and want to be the gatekeepers for it. But I had to remind her that, you know, unfortunately, sister, I respect you and I love you. But you're not really in the position to designate who can receive the gospel. I'm not in that position either. I'm not the gatekeeper. That's the spirit of a Pharisee where you're trying to shut up, shut up the gate and make it very narrow to who you think should get into the kingdom. And that's, that's outside the gospel of Christ. So we want to put it out there, brothers and sisters. This is the truth concerning the Gentiles. We must screen these Israelites 
including ourselves through the Bible. If you come across a church and, you know, they're teaching you about slave ships, because that's the thing. There's not an Israelite alive (laughs) that doesn't know Deuteronomy 28. So that's fine. But after that, where do we go after that? How many times are you going to retwist the slave ships? You know we was on slave ships together. Yeah, brother, I know. It's fine. Calm down. Relax. So we need to go into the foundation, brothers and sisters. We're going to, you know, we're going to screen these Israelites and Gentiles. Because why? In the Christian church, they say the Israelites have done away with. It doesn't matter. So they've gone off too. So what we want to do is put a magnifying glass on some of those gospel police, some of those who think that they only they can tell people who's going to make it into the kingdom. And a lot of times those people aren't making it into the kingdom themselves. So we're going to start in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. We're standing your uh, your Bible, your Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiastes, not Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. The things that have been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done, is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. There is no new thing under the sun. What you're going to find out today is that back in ancient times, Israelites had a problem with Gentiles learning underneath of us. Not all, but there was a, there was a, a fraction of Israelites who did not want anybody outside of the 12 tribes to learn the gospel. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 9, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. No new thing under the sun. So we're going to go into it today. We're going to show you the history. We're going to start in the Old Testament. We're going to take it all the way to the New Testament because you can't pick and choose, right, what part of the Bible you want to follow. A lot of Israelites, predominantly the ones who are not calling on the name of Ahiah, they're dealing in a pharisaical spirit, which means they're following Moses. They are trying to follow Moses to get into the kingdom. The only problem with that is the schoolmaster's good, but Moses didn't get into the kingdom. So if he didn't get into the land, you cannot follow Moses to get into the land, brothers and sisters. You must follow Christ. Christ perfected the law. So we want to show you... Uh, the the history of you know why they feel like we shouldn't uh, and we're going to give you what the most high say about it what Christ say about it what Paul had to say and Peter had to say about it let's go to let's go to second kings brother because when did Israel when did Gentiles believe that there was equality when did they start to believe that they would receive the covenant there was a time where Gentiles understood that there was a difference between us. There was a difference. And I understand this truth is not for everybody because why? It's not all inclusive. It's not inclusive. There's order in the truth and the gospel and that affects some people sometimes. They feel like, well, there's no equality. And I'm sorry to tell you, brothers and sisters, but there has never been equality. There has never been equality, brothers and sisters. You're under a delusion if you think otherwise because why? When the Babylonians were in charge... They were in charge. When the Greeks were in charge, they were in charge. So there have never been equality. That does not exist. That's a figment of your imagination. This is not equality, brothers and sisters. This is the gospel. So we want to go into the gospel and what the Bible have to say in regards to Gentiles. We've already established that Gentiles are any nation. When we say nation, nationality, outside 
of the 12 tribes. You have the, you know, you have the, of course, the Mexicans, the Blaiquatainos or the Puerto Ricans. You have the Vietnamese. You have some of the Philippines. You have the Jamaicans, right? You have the so-called African-Americans, the Polynesians, the Hawaiians. So uh, the Panamanians, the Colombians, the Cubans. That's predominantly, of course, there's other people. But we, you get the, you get the understanding. Anybody outside of these people is a Gentile. Uh, we're going to Second Kings seventeen and seventeen because there was a time where Gentiles came into the understanding and started to believe that now, because they're accepted or grafted in, that they will receive the covenant, the promise. And I'm sorry to say, but a promise is not a promise unless it's a promise. So I can't promise. Brother Corey something and then start spreading that out amongst everybody equally. That's not a promise. A promise is I said, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. But there's an order. Christ came for all people to be able to, to be accepted. Of course, he came for those who are under the law. But through that, others would be able to be grafted in. If they couldn't be grafted in, why would they preserve our records? We wouldn't even be able to go buy a Bible. If they didn't feel like they had a way in. So they needed to have a way in. They preserved the book for us. While we slept and slumbered, some Israel, uh, excuse me, some Gentiles held our place. And now we're back. We'll take our place back. But all Gentiles is not our enemy, brothers and sisters. And I know that's going to be tough because a lot of Israelites, especially when you're young, right? You want to hear the white man is the devil. It's funny. It's, it's comical. I understand. You know? Sometimes you just want to go listen to somebody for a laugh, right? And that's fine. All of that's fine, but it's not the doctrine of Christ. And we're going to prove it. Let's go to 2 Kings 17 and 17. This is 721 B.C. after Solomon, brothers and sisters. 2 Kings 17, verse 17. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord. To provoke him to anger. Now, this is in regards to the northern kingdom, which is called what? Israel. Who was the king of Israel, of the northern tribe, the ten? Was Ephraim, or the Puerto Ricans. Continue, brother. Verse 18. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel, and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Right, so the tribe of Judah... <clears throat> It was the Judeans, Benjamin, Judah, and Levi, who you would call today your Haitians, your so-called African-Americans, and those from the West Indies were left there. They were taken down too, but at this time, they were still up and running. They were still regal and royal and in charge. It was prophesied that a son had to be born, so Judea had to stand because Christ hadn't come yet. Once Christ came, it was a different story. So at this time, those black or dark tribes. We're still in the land, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 19. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel, and afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of spoilers, until he had cast them out of his sight. Continue. For he sent Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king, and Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. Right. See, so there was a time where Judea was still intact, but they fell also. And it was prophesied. It was in 70 AD, also known as the desolation of abomination. 
Continue, brother. Verse 22. For the children of Israel walked in all the sin of Jeroboam, which he did. They departed not from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As he had, as he had said by all his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria until this day. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 23. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by his servants, the prophets, so was Israel carried away out of their own land to Assyria unto this day. Right, so the northern kingdom was being taken out of the land, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, and from Katah, and from Ava, and from Hamath, and from Sepharvaim. And place them in the cities of Samaria. And place, and place them where? In the cities of Samaria. See, so there was Gentiles placed in our land. And see, that's the key. Because they will tell you, the, the Jewish powers, anybody who have stake or can prove that they were in Israel, have citizenship. They're not talking about us, brothers and sisters. They know that back then, there was other people placed in the northern kingdom. Read that one more time, brother, from the top. Verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Qatar and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed, possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, the nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of God of the land. Therefore he hath sent lions among them. And behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of God in the land. Right. So anybody in that land have to perform, you know, they have to follow certain stipulations to the land. Or the Bible tells you that the land will spit you up and spit you out because you must keep his holy days. You must, during this time, do the sacrifices. If you're not, then you'd be taken out of the land, just like we were taken out of the land. So he sent some, he sent lions after them to tear them apart because they weren't following. They they had no clue how to follow the Most High God because why the law was not given to them. Continue, brother. Verse twenty-seven. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, "Carry thither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of God of the land." So right there, you have Levites. Teaching Gentiles the ways of Ahia's worship. You have Levites there now teaching them how to follow the Most High. This is this is over, you know, almost a century before Christ. Almost a century before Christ, brothers and sisters. So Christ knew that when he, uh, you know, when he was alive, that something was wrong. Because why? You had Gentiles in the land when Christ was when Christ was walking around, there was Gentiles already in the land almost over half a century before then. So he knew something was off. Uh, read that one more time, brother. Verse 27. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom he brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethlehem. And Bethel, and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Right. So you must understand the difference between a an Israelite and somebody who's 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 learning quote unquote Judaism or the 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 customs of the Israelites. 
for a better lack of words. There's a difference because these people were learning. Does that mean they received the promise because they're learning? Read that again, brother. Verse 28. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Right. See, so it's common sense, brothers and sisters, that whoever's in charge teaches the world. That's common sense. How did you learn what you know? When you go to school, whose textbooks are those? Who published those records? Who printed those records? See, and they're in charge. So they're educating us. Of course, they educated us wrong. But that's when you're ruling, you teach the world. So we have to take up that banner. Now, the paradigm has shifted. We are getting ready to be large and in charge, regal and royal. And we must teach the world, brothers and sisters. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. He who ruled the world, teach the world. And that's what we're going to do, brothers and sisters. That's what we're going to do. Let's go to another conversion. Let's go to Esther 8 and 17. It's about, what, 452 B.C.? Uh, Almost a half a century before Christ. We know the story, right, of Purim. You had an Agagite, Haman, or Haman, the Agagite. Who was an Agagite? Agagite is Amalek. It's another name for an Amalekite king when you actually go look at it. So Haman, who had a plan to depopulate us, was actually an Edomite. He was Jewish, fighting against us during that time. And the Most High was with Esther, Queen Esther, and Mordecai. And spared our life. Let's show you. Let's go to Esther 8 and we're going to read 17, brother. Esther 8, verse 17. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandments and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews. Read that again, brother. And many of the people of the land became Jews. For the fear of the Jew fell upon them. Right. So you must know the difference between an Israelite and the word Jew. We, the only reason we're saying we're the Jews because we just want to put it out there that those people in Israel are not the Jews. But that term Jew was usually only allocated to a convert. We, were, we weren't calling ourselves like that on a high, like we're doing it today. That word was for convert. Read that again, brother, from the top, please. Verse 17. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. Now, did they come become physically an Israelite from the tribe of Judah? No, but they their practices, their customs became like a Jew. So this is another conversion. There's always been conversions, brothers and sisters, into our belief because why? They saw the power of the Most High God. They saw that power and they they couldn't ignore it. They couldn't deny it. They wouldn't deny it. And that's okay. But understand, there's an order. There is an order, brothers and sisters. We must stick with the order. Let's go to another conversion. Let's go to Josephus, brother. Let's go to Josephus, Antiquity of the Jews, Book 13, Chapter 9. We're going to read uh, number 257. For the brothers and sisters following us along, it's page 423. Now, this was when the Idumians, who are the Idumians? Idumians is a Greek word for Edomites. So this is when the Idumians started to follow the Israelites. And that's why 
the the Jewish powers are looking to discredit Josephus because it highlights when they actually converted. Now, you converting don't give you the covenant. Just understand that, brothers and sisters. That, that doesn't give you a covenant. That doesn't make you the physical people. So we just want to put it out there. Uh, go ahead, brother. Page 423, chapter now, this, 9. This is 134 B.C., brothers and sisters. What's the book in chapter uh, book 13, Antiquity of the Jews, uh, chapter 9, mm-hmm. in the first two, paragraph, and number, what number, brother? 257. You said <clears throat> nine? Uh, Book 13, chapter 9. 257. Hyrcanus took also Dora and Marissa, cities of Idumea, and subdued all the Idumeans. Read that again, brother. Hyrcanus took also Dora and Marissa, cities of Idumea, and subdued all the Idumeans. Right, so this is when the Edomites were being humbled and taken down by the children of Israel. Read that again, brother. Hyrcanus took also Dora and Marissa, cities of Idumea, and subdued all the Idumeans, and permitted them to stay in that country, if they would circumcise their gen- Genital. Right. See, so they once we took them down, we said, listen, you can stay in the land, but you must circumcise yourself. Circumcision is a law of the Israelites. You circumcise your, uh, you know, your private parts as a man on the eighth day. So right here, you have Edomites following the customs of Abraham and see Jewish people don't like you pulling this out because this shows that they're not the people. If you converted, then what were you before? Mm-hmm. Read it again, brother, please. Hyrcanus took also Dora and Marissa, cities of Idumea, and subdued all the Idumeans, and permitted them to stay in that country if they would circumcise themselves and make use of the laws of the Jews. And they were so desirous of living in the country of their forefathers that they submitted to the use of circumcision and the rest of the Jewish ways of living, at which time, therefore, this befell them that they were hereafter no other than Jews. See, so this was the conversion of the Edomites. So when a Jewish person tell me by blood that he is an Israelite, I take him right here. I take him right here because any scholar knows about Josephus. Any, any person studying on a scholarly level knows the legitimacy and authenticity of the record of Josephus. This points out right then and there when they converted. This is 134 BC, brothers and sisters. That's why they're looking to discredit this book. But we wanted to show you that even then there was Edomites who were following the way of the Jews. So this isn't new, brothers and sisters, that we're teaching Gentiles. We're going to teach whoever wants to learn. Uh, you know, cat, dog, black, white, doesn't matter. Because why? Should other nations not worship the Most High? It shouldn't just be us worshiping the Most High. All creation should worship the Most High, not just us. Because that's how great the Most High is. So we, as Israelites, have a responsibility to teach them how to follow the Most High. And that, you know, them learning how to follow the Most High will actually trickle down on us. Because if you don't teach them, then they'll continue to vaccinate our children. They'll continue to make laws against us. If you can give them the truth, then that'll actually lessen the load on us. And little do you know, a lot of these Gentiles will go tell Israelites who they are. And our people are trained to listen to them through programming. So, you know, we want to get them however we can. We want to wake our brothers and sisters up however we can. If we need to go to whoever and give them the information they're going to do right by, then so be it. This is 134 B.C., brothers and sisters. Now, 
Realize, in 721, we're leaving out of our land. So as we're leaving out the land, other nations are keeping the customs. Do you see that? So we're losing our heritage, and they're gaining our heritage. So now, we would look around and see other nations keeping the customs, and that would be foreign to us, when really they learned from us. See? And see, that's the, that's the key right there. If our children knew that they learned from us, then it brings up the question, what are they doing teaching us now? See? Because we were teaching them back then. Now they're teaching us. What happened? Something happened. Let's, let's go to Hosea 8 and 8, brothers and sisters. Back into your Bible. Old Testament, brothers and sisters. As we were scattered, Gentiles were following our customs. Hosea 8, verse 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein no pleasure. Right, so we were swallowed up during this time. They're learning our customs. So just because they're learning the customs, does that make them, you know, recipients of the covenant? No. No. There's an order. You can make it. But the kingdom is for those who are called the, you know, the poor, for the meek, for the humble. You can't have, you know, your kingdom and our kingdom, too. You can be there and you can be a servant. And when I say servant, our people go straight to slavery because our mind is trained to think if you're serving somebody, you're being whipped and beat. No. Today, we're in their kingdom. We go to work. We drive our cars, go home, pay our bills. We're serving them. And this is going to be the same way, brothers and sisters. It's going to be the same way. We'll be ruling and, you know, they'll be serving the same way we serve them now. The same way they're taking money out of our checks with taxes. We won't do that. But you you understand. You understand what we're saying. Read that again, brother. Verse eight. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. Right. So Gentiles are following our customs and we're losing them. Continue, brother. Verse nine. For they are going up to Assyria. A wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim hath, hath hired lovers. Right. See, so while we're wandering, Gentiles are being converted. This was happening before Christ, brothers and sisters. So this is nothing new, brothers and sisters. This is nothing new. We understand that, you know, we don't, a lot of our people don't want to let them in because we want to have some level of authority, you know. Well, a lot of times we think as Israelites that it's an easy pass or now that, you know, we should be recognized as somebody. Right. And we will be recognized. Not now. When our savior come back, we'll be recognized. But we don't need to exercise authority over people. We, we don't need to do that. We will let the most high do that. Trust me. If they don't turn away from the sins of their father, they will be punished. They will be punished. Now, you, you bringing the truth to a, a, a Gentile, that may actually facilitate them helping you out, giving you a platform, inviting you onto a radio station or something like that. Should I say, you know what? And Edomite, he, he asked me to come on a radio station, and I'm not going to do it because he's an Edomite. It doesn't make any sense. That would be ill-advised, brothers and sisters. So the Bible tells you that in the last days, those who have the finances will use those finances to facilitate protecting us. So it's, it's, it's key that we don't burn bridges, brothers and sisters, because it may help lighten the load of the work. Read that one more time, brother. Verse eight. Verse eight. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. 
Right. Let's go to Hosea 9 and 17. Just one chapter over. Hosea 9 verse 17. My God will cast them away because they did not hearken unto him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. Right. So ultimately the 10 tribes became wanderers amongst the Gentiles. They lost their way. Eventually they lost their way. And at this time there's Gentiles following our customs while we're lost, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Verse 17. My God will cast them away because they did not hearken unto him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. Right. So they became spiritually disoriented during the time of Christ. It was almost almost a century of Israel being removed from their heritage. When Christ came, Christ was our ticket back to the covenant, brothers and sisters. He was the ticket back. Let's go to Galatians 4 and 4. Galatians 4 verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Made what? Of a woman and under the law. Right, under the law. So he was made under the law. That means this action was prophesied in the law, brothers and sisters. Christ didn't come to do something outside of it. He came to this earth to take away the sins of Zion. Read that again, brother. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Continue. To redeem them that were under the law. Redeem who? Them that were under the law. See, who was under the law? We know that the children of Israel, Jacob, was under the law. He received the law and no other nation received the law. So Christ came to redeem. What does redeem mean? Redeem in the Hebrew means to buy back. That's what redeem means. Read those two scriptures again, brother. Verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them, them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Right, the adoption. The adoption being adopted back through what? Through the blood, brothers and sisters. That's how we are adopted back. So we needed to come here because we, we wanted to show you and magnify that there was various conversions from the time of Moses to Christ, brothers and sisters. During the time of Julius Caesar, which is about 50, uh, 50 BC, you had a man named Antipa, Antipa, and he converted into what you would call Judaism. Uh, what they would call Judaism. We just know it as the custom of the Israelites. He had a son named Harak who became the first Edomite to govern Israel. So there, there was conversions back then, brothers and sisters. How were we dealing with it? Let's, let's go to uh, Matthew 10. The gospel. We're going to read Matthew 10 and 5. Matthew 10 verse 5. These twelve Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Read that again, brother. Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Christ is talking to Judeans here. The, the original mission was to not go to the Gentiles. This was the original mission, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Verse 5. These twelve Christ, Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Now, why is he saying don't go into the land of the Samaritans? Because we just read 
and second second uh, Kings seventeen that there was Gentiles placed in the land of Samaria. So he said, "Don't even don't go there, don't go there." For this time now, I need you to go to your people. And then afterwards, that's something different. But right now, go to Israel. Read it again, brother. Verse 5. These twelve Christ sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Who are the lost sheep? The lost sheep are the original inhabitants of the land of Jerusalem, of Israel. That's who the lost sheep are, brothers and sisters. And if you look in our communities, if any people were ever lost, it's definitely us. It is definitely us. It's most certainly us. Read that last scripture again, brother. Verse 6. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right. So there's a clear difference, brothers and sisters. And we want to put it out there because I think Israelites believe that Gentiles are going to come and take what belonged to us. And for that reason... I don't want to accept them because that's usually how they, they try to come bogart it, take everything. But this time we have the most high and we have the understanding of who we are. So that's never going to happen. I don't care how much understanding a Gentile have. They will never have authority in an Israelite church. And see, some people, they try to say Timothy. Well, Timothy was a Greek speaking Jew. He was an Israelite. He was actually a Hellenist. So he wasn't a Gentile. I had a Christian pastor one time say, oh, well, Timothy was a Gentile and he was in, he was in, you know, he was in charge. I'm like, no, sir. No, sir. You read that one again, brother. There will be no, and you know, we're not trying to be facetious or funny. It's you have a place and it's not to be an authority. That's it. And usually when a Gentile come into the church, you don't even notice them. They just come in, do what they're supposed to do, really keep their mouth closed. It'd be our people that deny Christ, deny baptism. Uh, that's us. Gentiles usually just come in, play their part, be quiet, stay in the back, learn. Usually. I I get more venom from my own people. Yeah. I get into it. You know, I've had a Gentile come at me, you know, maybe every th- three or four years. But our people constantly. It's our people. So... What we need to do is our due diligence and come in the spirit of meekness and humility, in the spirit of Christ. I understand it's funny to say the white man is the devil and all that. That's funny, right? It's funny. It's, it's hysterical sometimes. But really, you know, I can't base my doctrine. If you base your doctrine off that, then you're going to lose the benevolence of actually what's transpiring in scriptures because you're basing your teachings on that. This, these Israelites will butcher the entire Bible so they can say the white man is the devil. They'll butcher the entire Bible and make the doctrine completely different just to benefit, you know, their carnality. It's unfortunate, brothers and sisters. It's unfortunate. Let's go to John 4 and 20 to show you that even though Gentiles may be in the land and learning doesn't mean they're going to get your promise. Does not mean that Israelites doesn't mean that Gentiles. <clears throat> John 4, verse 20. Right. Now, before you go here, Christ was en route to Galilee. <clears throat> and he took a shortcut through Samaria, where he came across the woman who was a daughter of those Gentiles that were placed in the land in 2 Kings 17. Let's hear what Christ had to say. John 4, verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem... Start at 19, brother. Excuse me. Verse 19. 
The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Christ saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Right, see, so just because you're in the land doesn't mean you partake in the covenant. See, so Christ made a clear distinction between somebody learning Judaism and a Jew or an Israelite. Read it again, brother, please. Verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in the in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Christ said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Right, so he was making it clear that he wasn't sent there to restore the kingdom for her people. That's not why Christ was sent, brothers and sisters. So he, he, Christ, now remember, he only ended up in Samaria because he was trying to take a shortcut to Galilee. Because remember, he said, don't go to Samaria. So he's not going to break what he's saying. He was taking a shortcut and came, stumbled across this system. See? So he made a clear distinction that even though you're in the land, even though you're following the customs, you don't receive the promise. We need to be clear. And also, um, I believe he called the Canaanite woman a dog. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we, we didn't. He didn't mean it as if you know he wasn't trying to be facetious or attack the sister. But he's saying a dog eat would come from the master's table. Mm-hmm. So you can receive whatever Christ give you. That's what he was saying. He wasn't trying to call her an animal or anything like that. But he was saying, whatever's left over, <laughs> you know, if the cup filleth over, then you can have it. But I was sent for these people. And Christ made a clear distinction. And we need to put that out there. Christ didn't come to change the law, brothers and sisters. He came to fulfill the law. That's what he came for. So knowing that, do that mean we should treat Gentiles any, you know, any type of way? No. We, we're in charge. We don't need to be angry with you. We're in charge. <laughs> you know, treating people certain types of ways is what happens when you feel oppressed and when you're on the bottom and you're just angry. I remember I was one of those angry young men. Just treat everybody, you know, like trash pretty much because I'm angry. But now that I have my nobility back, we have our nobility back, our righteousness. Listen, I have no problem with you. You just be in order the same way we're in order. That's all. Read that again from the top, brother. We need it to be, you know, we just need to bring this home. Verse 19. The woman said that to him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Christ saith unto her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father. Ye worship, ye know not what we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. See, so he made a clear distinction in those who study Judaism or converted and the actual physical people, brothers and sisters. All Israel is not of Israel. So just because you live in the land or just because you're following the customs do not make you heir to the promise. Even if you are an Israelite by blood, that don't get you the promise either. What do we mean by that? Not all Israel, not you know, not all Israel is of Israel. We're going to go to Hebrews 6 because we need to put out the doctrine of Christ. Any Gentile or Israelite that's not dealing with this doctrine here, then they're not making it into the kingdom. And it's usually those people who are telling others that they're not making it. So we got to go to the doctrine of Christ. 
because there's something that we all must have in common, Jews and Gentiles, and that's this doctrine. Let's go to Hebrews 6 and 1. The Bible gives you a specific doctrine on how to teach the Bible and what to teach out of the Bible. You don't have to philosophize and speculate and put all these other things in it. The Bible tells you exactly what to teach. And it would behoove us, including myself, to not teach anything outside of this. Let's go to Hebrews 6 and 1, brother. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of the repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism. Number one, we have repentance, the doctrine of baptism. Baptism is deep, brothers and sisters, because why? It's a form of repentance. It's you acknowledging that you've been wrong. Now, a lot of people don't deal. They don't, especially a lot of Israelites who are dealing with Moses in that pharisaical spirit. They don't agree with this. If you don't agree with this, then you're not getting, you're not part of the 144,000 because this is the doctrine of Christ. We must be baptized. We, and if you're not baptized yet, you know, the church can help you out with that. You can email us at commandmentkeepers number one, number eight at hotmail.com and we can help facilitate getting you through the water. And if it's not us, as long as you get through the water, it's fine. Just try to facilitate something. This is part of the doctrine, though, brothers and sisters. We need to stick strictly with this doctrine. If somebody bring you something outside of this, I don't care how many slave ships they can pull out. I don't care if you got fringes coming out of your nose. If you're not dealing with this doctrine, you're not going to make it. Read that again, brother. Verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms. And baptism was prophesied in Isaiah chapter one. It's in the it's in the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. This isn't something that's just New Testament. Why? Because the Most High said he come in the volume of the book. So anything that we teach, you can find it. A plethora of places, Old Testament, New Testament, Apographer, because the Bible is not just sporadic. It's consistent. You go to Isaiah chapter one and you'll see the prophecy of the water baptism, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse two of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Right. So the doctrine is, of course, baptism, healing, laying on of hands resurrection of the dead that means that you will have that new body when Christ come back in the second coming those will be called up some of the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't believe that and it says eternal judgment which means judgment there's a place for souls the bosom of Abraham Hades if you're not teaching that you're not getting in in the Israelites there was a great number of Israelites who didn't deal with these things they didn't deal with resurrection they didn't deal with there being a, a physical hell. They didn't deal with baptism. That's why Christ was putting this out. Because we can't accept an Israelite because he's an Israelite. That's not going to work. If you don't have the doctrine right, or you're not willing to learn the doctrine, or, you know, be a part of the doctrine, then we can't work with you. We can be amongst you. You're our brother. But we can't do work together because you're dealing with a different doctrine. And usually those who are calling on Yahweh, Yahushua, Yah, those those brothers and sisters go against this doctrine completely. Every part of it. They don't agree with any of it. And that's because why? 
they're following a different God. But if you're if you're following a higher, the most high Ahaya will lead you to the correct understanding. Even if you don't have it yet, he will lead you to the correct understanding and you'll follow it. Because why? You're following the true God. You'll follow it. You won't hold to, you know, what's wrong for the sake of pride. You wouldn't do that. You're following the most high Ahaya. Uh, read that again, brother. The verse two. Verse two of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Right. So we need to show you the doctrine. So it doesn't matter if you live in the land. It doesn't matter if you have a beard touching your toe. If you're not dealing with this doctrine, then you're a baby. I know right away. If a brother, I'm talking to a brother and he say he don't receive baptism I'm like okay baby he's a baby I don't say that to him of course but I'm like yeah he's a baby I don't care how long somebody think they've been in the truth if you're not dealing with that you're still learning and there's nothing wrong with that I was learning we're all still learning I'm still learning I'll always be learning so it's not a problem but I understand that you know they're a baby they don't have it just yet there's a possibility they can get it we all can get it the most high we open ourselves up, start reading, deal with the Bible as it is written and not try to philosophize and speculate. Just deal with what's written and you'll be okay. And if you don't do that, then you're, you're basically a Christian <laughs> because Christians twist and tangle things to benefit them following what they want to follow. And if we start doing that, then you you actually went back into the Christian church. You're more like the Christian church than you could ever imagine. So we wanted to boil that out, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Isaiah 45. Let's go into the Tanakh, brothers and sisters. We're going to read uh, chapter 45. We're going to read verse 17. You say Isaiah 45? Yes, sir. Examine this scripture, brothers and sisters. Isaiah 45, verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with, a, with an everlasting salvation. Read that again, brother. Verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. We brought this up because people are saying that the Israelites are done away with. They don't exist. They were destroyed off the face of the earth. How is that? When the Most High said in the last days they shall be saved. See? I asked the pastor, well, who are the Israelites? He said, well, you know what? They died off a long time ago in history. And, you know. They, they just died off. I'm like, wow, okay. Well, what about uh, Isaiah 45 and 17? <laughs> Read it again, brother. Verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Proof that these people still remain. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. Right, so... Listen, there's a season for everything, and there's a season to go to Gentiles. It was subsequential with Christ's death, not before, after his death. Because why? You have to get your house in order first. We can't get the world together unless we get us together first. So that's common sense, brothers and sisters. We get ourselves together first, and then we go out and share the world. Read it one more time before we move on, brother. Verse 17. But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. All right. Let's go to Matthew 28. We're showing you the duties of not only the Israelites, but of the Gentiles. 
Do we accept him? Do we not accept him? How do we treat him? What's the responsibility? Should I just completely shun him? We're going to Matthew 28 and 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Christ came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Read that again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. See, now he's saying go teach all nations. So it's, I'm flabbergasted that there's Israelites saying that we shouldn't teach all nations. Because Christ, if you're following Christ, which that's the point, I would hope. Some people, some, some Israelites are not following Christ. They're just following being an Israelite. They just want to deal with the customs and the traditions. They just want that part. They're not dealing with Christ. Read it again, brother. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So I'm still not clear on how people can say that baptism is not a prerequisite. If you're doing Christ's work, because what we have here is not our work, it's Christ's work. We're just adding to it. This is how you continue Christ's work. This is how you continue his work, brothers and sisters. Now you can go to the Gentiles and baptize. Because why? Baptism is recognition of your sin. How can you change if you don't know that you've been sinning? And a lot of the brothers and sisters who reject baptism are some of the most pompous, proud people, especially the Israelites, who you could ever meet. There's nothing that they feel like they need to change. Christ went through the water. Are you following Christ? It's easy. If Christ did it, we do it. I do it. You do it. And don't let anybody trick you out of your heavenly reward. I don't care how good they philosophize. That's your reward that you're working towards. It would be safe if you just did what Christ did. Even if you don't believe it. If you just do what Christ did, you would be safe. You would be better. Because we're not following brother so-and-so or bishop so-and-so. We're following Christ. So we're going to screen these brothers and sisters through the Bible, through the gospel of Christ. This is Christ now. It swung the pendulum from Moses to Christ. Because Christ is the Savior, not Moses. Moses didn't make it in himself. Read it again, brother. Verse 19. <clears throat> Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Read that again. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. See, we're supposed to teach the world, brothers and sisters, including the Gentiles. What's a kingdom if you don't have subjects? <laughs> a kingdom is not just all kings. you got to have somebody to serve, too. That's a kingdom, brothers and sisters. <laughs> See, it's common sense that whoever rules the world does the teaching. And we need to, you know, we need to fit into that mold the same way they taught us the wrong things. Now you're going to learn the right things. And that will benefit you. That will benefit the whole world. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Right. Now let's go to Luke 21. New Testament, brothers and sisters, we're going to Luke 21. We're going to read 19 through 23. <clears throat> Luke 21, verse 19. And your patience possess ye your souls. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, 
then know that the desolation thereof is not. Now this is going into the desolation of Daniel. 70 AD where our people were destroyed by the Romans. Verse 21. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. And let them which are in the midst of, the, of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter thereinto. For these be the days of vengeance. That all things which are written may be fulfilled. Right. So Christ knew that soon to come after his death, Satan would be infuriated. So he knew that once he died, the desolation was near because Satan had no more access into the heavenly realm permanently. So because of that, the desolation would be near. It would be nigh, brothers and sisters. This is what Christ was saying. Read that scripture one more time, brother. Verse 22. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Right, the day of vengeance. Satan looking to destroy us because the next best thing, if I can't get to Christ or I can't get to the Most High, destroy his most prized possession, which is us. Satan was now relegated to our terrain permanently. He didn't like that. Continue, brother. Verse 23. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Right. We're living in the time of the Gentiles right now. Still. Have Christ come back? No. We're still living in the time of the Gentiles, brothers and sisters. We, we need to be aware. We need to be aware of what's transpiring, what Christ's prophecy was. Now, some Gentiles came in through Paul, right? A lot of Gentiles, because why? Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. Now, most Israelites, well, not most, but a lot of Israelites will have you believe that everywhere it says Gentiles in the New Testament is talking about an Israelite who's dealing in paganism. That's not true. There is some places where Paul said, Ye were Gentiles, but that's not everywhere in the Bible. And you would be doing yourself a disservice by believing the scripture like that. And we're going to show you why. Because you, you would have to butcher the scriptures. If these aren't talking about Gentiles, who is it talking about? So, brothers and sisters, be prepared for hysteria. Once you come into the understanding, you get in this quote-unquote Israelite community, there's so many doctrines going on. There's so much going on, brothers and sisters. And Christ had to bring the doctrine of doctrines. The Bible says they were astonished at his doctrine. They never heard it before. What you're dealing with, what you're hearing, is going to make you an enemy. Why? Christ had enemies. Right? Even amongst our own people, we say that the name of the Most High is higher. We get attacked for it. We say we deal with baptism, we get attacked by our own brethren. The same way Christ, the same way the disciples. We're certainly those people. We are certainly those people in the Bible. Where'd you leave off on, brother? I finished 24. All right. Uh, let's go to Acts 10. Every Israelite should read Acts. Because Acts was establishing the foundation of the truth of the gospel of Christ. Verse 1. Uh, yeah, we're going to read 1 through 5. Now, brothers and sisters, understand that the church was was the church was established under Peter. We all know that Christ used Peter to build his rock. So we want to put that out there before we go into these passages. Acts 10 verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, 
a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Right. So you had Cornelius, who's a centurion of the band called the Italian band. So he was uh, dealing in the Rome with, with the Romans. He was an Edomite. We're going to prove that. Now, we know that the original commission was to only go to the lost sheep. But later, the Most High was broadening Peter's ministry. Peter was, you know, was to the Israelites, of course. And you had Paul, which is strictly to not strictly, but um, a large amount of his teaching was to the Gentiles. And Christ needed them both. Let's prove that Cornelius was a Israelite. Let's go back into the Bible dictionary. And we're going to get uh, Cornelius, brother. Cornelius. We want to prove to you that even Zondervan know that Cornelius was a Gentile. And we're going to show you why it's important. Because there were certain prophecies in the Tanakh, in the Torah, that were fulfilled through this right here. Cornelius, Roman centurion stationed at Caesarea and the first Gentile convert. The what? First Gentile convert. So Cornelius was a Gentile. This was the first Gentile convert after Christ, brothers and sisters. We need to show you this. Let's go back into the Bible now. We needed to show you. That's Zondervan. We, we didn't write that, brothers and sisters. I don't have a printing press at my house. That was there. Zondervan knows this, brothers and sisters. But a lot of Israelites won't deal with this because it will butcher the whole doctrine of the white man as the devil. Which is probably 75% of their teachings. It's the white man as the devil. See, and if you knew that Cornelius could have been an Edomite, you would have to restructure your entire doctrine. This same doctrine was being taught of the white man as the devil in the early 90s. In the early 90s, they were teaching these same things. I know. I learned from some of it. I learned from some of it. Let's, uh, let's go to Acts 10 and 1, brother. Let's start there again. Acts 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man. And one that feared God with all his house. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. A devout man. And one that feared God with all his house. Further proof that Cornelius couldn't have been an Israelite that was in a Gentile mindset. It says he was a devout man who feared the Most High. So how, if that's the case, then how is he a Gentile in his mind? How is he an Israelite dealing with Gentile customs if he's a devout man? See? So (laughs) examine the scriptures, brothers and sisters, and take your time. Don't allow anybody to make you believe that something you you can't see in Scripture. It says, read it again, brother. Verse 2. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Right. So right there, he couldn't have been a Gentile. There was Israelites who were dealing in Gentile customs, but he wasn't one of them. He, he wasn't one of them. This was a, a blood Gentile. Through blood, brothers and sisters. And he was known. He was known amongst the Jews, amongst the Israelites, as somebody who gave alms and respect to the Israelites. He was known all throughout Judea. He was known for worshiping the Most High God, not calling Christ God. He was known for dealing with the true doctrine, even pain. Read it again, brother. Verse 2. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. And pray to God always. Right. So now the, the disciples are setting up the standards for the ministry. And I want to put it out there again. There was no time 
in the Bible where Gentiles were over uh, <laughs> Israelites in any form of the church. Not in ushery, not in, not in anything. That's not their position, brothers and sisters. Their position is to learn. Our position is to teach them as the rulers of the new world. That's our position, brothers and sisters. Uh, continue. Verse 3. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. Right, so Cornelius had a vision, brothers and sisters. Now, we've gone, we wanted to go into this. and First, we needed to show you other conversions because now that you've seen other conversions in the past, it wouldn't be... Uh, you know, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of understanding that this could be another convert of the Gentiles. We just read it in Esther. We read it in Second Kings. We read it in Josephus. So this is not the first time that a Gentile converted. Uh, read that again, brother. Verse 3. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said... What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Juppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Right. So he told him to go to Joppa and go see Peter. Why did he send him to Peter? Let's show you why he sent him directly to Peter. He didn't send him to anybody else but Peter. Matthew 16 and 19. And we're going to come right back. Hold your place, brothers and sisters. We need to show you why... This was very, so important. Why did he go to Peter? Matthew 16, verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. See, he gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. So in order for a Gentile or anybody to get into the, you know, into the church, you had to come through Peter because Peter had the keys. Read it again, brother. Verse 19. And I will give Actually, start at 18, brother. Excuse me. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Right, so he had the authority, full authority. If he binds something, it's bound. That's why he, the Gentile had to go to Peter. He couldn't go to Paul. Even Paul, to some degree, was the is the disciples were on Paul until Peter said, "Oh, he's good. Don't worry about it. He's good." Because Paul never met Christ. Well, on the road to Damascus, where he was blinded, but in the physical, he didn't walk with Christ, brothers and sisters. So they wasn't accepting Paul in the beginning. But Peter gave no okay, and they they said, "Okay, all right, Paul, do your thing." But Peter had the keys, brothers and sisters. That's why Cornelius had to go to Peter. We needed to bring that out. Let's go back to Acts. Acts 10 and 6. <clears throat> Acts 10 verse 6. He lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he calls two, two of his house servants. And a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went unto their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. 
But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Peter fell into a trance. So we needed to put this out there because this was a vision, brothers and sisters. A lot of Christians will use what we're about to go into to say they can eat whatever they want. This was a vision, brothers and sisters. This was not literally going on. This was a vision. So we need to put that out there because a Christian will go right here to this whole story and say, I can eat whatever I want because Peter said I can eat whatever I want, which he never said. You don't understand, Peter. You don't understand. Continue, brother. Verse 11. And saw heaven open. Read verse 10, brother. Sorry. Verse 10. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there, there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, thou call not thou common. Right, so right there, a Christian will use this to go get a pork chop. See, hey, you can't call, hey, the most high saying it's clean, it's clean, where them pork chops at? See, this is where they go, because they just pick and choose scriptures, read the full context of the chapter, so you can get the understanding, don't just go here, and, and for your carnality, for the sake of your carnality, and doing what you want to do, right, you'll say that this means you can eat anything, read that one more time, brother, verse six, verse 15, and the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that called not thou common. This was done thrice. It was done three times in order for Peter to get the understanding. <clears throat> and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean. Now we need to point this out. Peter, when he awoke from this vision, he didn't even understand it. So how could a Christian sit there and say, this means you can eat pork, when Peter didn't even understand it when he woke up? Mm-hmm. Christians will manipulate this <laughs> and butcher the scriptures. Sad. <laughs> Sad. Yes, it is. Sad, brother. Oh, continue. Verse 17. Now while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were set, sent for Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house. And stood before the gate. See, so that vision was preparing Peter to deal with something he had never dealt with before. It was not lawful. for. Of course, there was Gentiles being converted, but we didn't sit at meat with them, though. That was the thing. If we were together, they were being taught. There was no sitting down having conversation. That was unlawful. So the Most High had to send Peter a vision. Why was it Peter? Because Peter had the keys. So Peter said that, okay, Gentiles can be accepted. Everybody had to accept that. That's why I was specific that he sent him to Peter. Read that again, brother. Verse 17. Now while Peter doubted in himself what the vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent for Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked what, whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Right. See, so an angel said, don't think about 
the vision. Go and just go down and accept him. See? So he didn't even have time to think. He didn't realize what the vision meant until he opened the door. That's when he understood. He didn't understand. That's why the, 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 the angel told him, go, fear nothing. Read it again, brother. Read uh, 19. Verse 19. While Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said unto him, behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? Right. See, so now this is something that have never transpired in history before. And Peter would have rejected him if it wasn't for this vision. He would have rejected him. Continue, brother. Verse 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews. Further proof that this couldn't have been an Israelite in a Gentile mind state. Read it again, brother. Verse, verse 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nations of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house, and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in. And lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them. And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Right. So this is the first time that this have ever happened, brothers and sisters. It was a sin to sit at company with a Gentile before. It was a sin. Continue, brother. Verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and, and near friends... And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. See, so Cornelius always had respect. See, and Gentiles need to see this, not to worship us, but understand there's an order. And even Cornelius knew that. He knew there was an order. He didn't say, you know what? Get out the way, Peter. Christ and died. Show me the pulpit. He didn't do that. He came in and he fell right in line in the order, which is what Gentiles have to do. They have to be in order. What did Peter say, brother? Verse 26. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up. I myself also am a man. He said, Brother, get up. You, you don't have to do that, brother. I'm a man, okay? But just to show you the spirit that Cornelius came in, he understood the truth. He understood who we were. He wasn't trying to take over anything. And that's how Gentiles must come in. Through the same way Cornelius established as the first Gentile convert. Come in, showing respect to the Most High, to his people, to his days, to his laws, statutes, and commandments. If, if you're going to do that, everything's fine. I don't have, if you're going to worship my God the way my God said worship him, hey, who am I to stop you? Who am I to stop you? Continue, brother. Verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, ye know how that it is un. It is an unlawful thing for a man that is Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. Read that again, brother. Verse 28. And he said unto them, ye know how that is, it, it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. See, you know it's unlawful for a man who's a Jew or Judean and Israelite to sit and meet with another nation. See, so right here. He's telling them that he's another nation. He's saying, you know, this would be unlawful, but because the Most High sent me a vision, I received you. 
He's telling them, you're another nation, and I usually couldn't do this. But the Most High said what? Read it again, brother. Verse 28. And he said unto them, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that it is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Call what? Common or unclean. Any man? Call any man. Read it. Read that part one more time, brother. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. See, this is not talking about food, brothers and sisters. This is talking about people. That vision where he was telling Peter, arise and eat, had nothing to do with pork. But a Christian would manipulate and butcher the whole Bible, the whole significance behind this story. So they can eat a ham sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wake up, brothers and sisters. Wake up. This have no, You don't know the severity of what was transpiring here. This was unlawful for a man who's a Jew, an Israelite, to sit down with a man of another nation. Further proof that he's another nation. He's not a Hellenist, brothers and sisters. He's another nation. Continue, brother. Verse 29. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I asked, therefore, what intent ye have sent for me? And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, where surname is Peter. He is lost in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Read 35 again, brother. Verse 35. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Every nation that worketh righteousness should... A Hamite or an African not receive reward because he's he's an Hamite? Should an Asian not receive righteousness or reward because he's not Israel? Doesn't make any sense, brothers and sisters. That doesn't make any sense. We have to get out of that spirit of black supremacy. A lot of our people are dealing in that. They want to be over somebody. They want to be an authority of somebody. You're not an authority of anybody but yourself. We only can control ourselves, brothers and sisters. That's the, that's the, that's it. That's it, brothers and sisters. All it says, but in every nation. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 35. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Christ, he is Lord of all. Right. Now, the powers that be, for those who call the white man the devil and don't accept Gentiles... They, you know, they're not scared of any work that you can do because they realize your work is too aggressive and too abrasive where nobody, there's not a great amount of people that would follow that. They're, they're, you know, there's, there's no chance that that particular doctrine can change the world because most people are not going to deal with that. Most people are not going to deal with that and they know that. So you don't frighten them at all. In fact, when you go to YouTube and type in Israelite, only thing you're going to find <laughs> in the top hundred videos it's people saying the white man is the devil because, see, that's what they want promoted. Yep. Because most people would see that and say, I'm not dealing with that. And that's exactly what they want. Yep. 
That's exactly what they want. And you come in that spirit of humility, of love, repentance, forgiveness. See, that's what scares them. Because that's a doctrine that can be accepted by all people. See, and that's what scares them. You're not a threat when you're calling a white man the devil. Because, he, uh, number one, white people are not going to accept it. But the majority of our people wouldn't accept that. We're God's chosen people. We're righteous. We don't pay them back how they paid us back. So the majority of our people, especially the older generation, would reject it altogether. You're calling a white man a devil, like, just stop. Stop there. That's enough. Our people would not accept that. The young, the youth, yeah, we angry. We young. We looking for something. But the older generation would not accept it. Majority. Majority wouldn't accept it, brothers and sisters. So if you want to put the government on its heels by frightening them, you must come in the spirit of Christ. Mm-hmm. If you come in the spirit of a Pharisee, they understand that's not a threat at all to anything. Continue, brother. Verse 36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Christ. He is Lord of all. That word I say. All right. Let's let's uh, thank you, brother. Let's go to Acts 15 and 14. Because we had a Gentile ask us a while back, you know, uh, what should you know, what's my place in the kingdom? What do where do I go? What can I do? You know what I mean? I, I, I want to be baptized. I can't be baptized from a regular church because they're dealing with another God. Where, where do I fit in? Because I've had people tell me I'm going to be a slave. They're going to put my foot, their foot on my neck. I'm going to kiss their boots. See? So we're chasing people off of the truth that may help facilitate us having a bigger platform. Anything. That's not what kings and rulers do. You, how are you going to govern the new world? And you treat people like that. How? You're not part of the 144,000. Why? You're saying <laughs> all these other people are not going in. You're not going in. That's usually how it works, brothers and sisters. Read verse five, uh, Excuse me, 14, brother. Acts 15, verse 14. Simon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for, for his name. Read that again, brother. Verse 14. Simon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles. To take out of them a people for his name. Take out a people for his name. This was Cornelius. This was what happened with Cornelius. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 14. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles. To take out of them a people for his name. Right. See, so if Cornelius wasn't a Gentile, then what do these scriptures mean? See, so they'll butcher everything so they can continue to cause somebody to devil. Continue, brother. Verse 15. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written. After this I will return, and will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of the men might seek after the Lord. And all of the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, said the Lord. Read that again. And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, said the Lord. Who doeth all the all these things? Right. So Gentiles who operate in the spirit of Cornelius will make it. See. So all these scriptures you can get no understanding from based on you saying that Cornelius is not a Gentile. So now you've circumvented the work. Now, now you can't even go into all the scriptures because you're trying to push your personal agenda. Because you may have a problem with an African or an Asian or a white man. So now. The doctrine of Christ have been watered down for the sake of you not wanting to accept all people. 
in order. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned un- turn to God. Read that again, brother. Verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. We trouble not the Gentiles when they come to the Most High God. We don't pick on them. We don't make them feel like they're nothing. That's not what rulers do. That's not what kings and queens do, brothers and sisters. We accept them in as brothers. We don't treat them any different. We don't treat them any better either. We treat you the same as every everybody else that's following the laws, statutes, and commandments. So you can't antagonize or chastise a Gentile because they're because they don't look like you. That's unlawful. That's wrong, and you're not getting in the kingdom. Period. If I'm doing that, I'm not getting in the kingdom. Read it one more time, brother. 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them. Right now, listen, these are the requirements of the Gentile. If you're going to come into the kingdom, this is what you must do. Verse 20. But that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from the and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Right. So Peter was setting the standard for the Gentiles. If you want to come into this truth, these are the things you must put down. Read it again, brother. Verse 19. Verse uh, 19. Yeah, start at 19. Excuse me. Verse 19. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them, that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication. Because we know that they would Gentiles deal in fornication. They deal in all types of fornication, brothers and sisters. And from things strangled. And we know that they, were, they had a, a, a tradition where they would have a, an animal strangled and then use the blood to put a root on somebody. Thank you, brother. And from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him. Being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. See, so the Bible was being taught on the Sabbath day, Christians. Israelites already know. The Sabbath day is when the law was being taught, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Amos 9 and 11, because now you see the significance of this scripture here, of what transpired with Cornelius. If you, if Cornelius was a, wasn't a Gentile, then this scripture right here means nothing. But really... This scripture illuminates and highlights the reason specifically for Cornelius and Peter's uh, meeting. Amos 9 verse 11. <clears throat> In that day will I, ri- will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. Right. Now listen, brothers and sisters, examine this. This is the significance behind Peter's vision. Verse 11. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. And close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. Read that again. Verse 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen, which are called by my name. Which are what? Called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. See, so this was the link, the precept between what happened, right, in the New Testament 
He ca- he called Cornelius because why? There was a remnant of Edom in the rest of the Gentiles. This Cornelius was the beginning. Without Cornelius and Peter, this couldn't have happened. This prophecy would be unfulfilled because why? Peter had the keys. And Peter, at one time, didn't want to go to the Gentiles at all. He didn't want to go to the Gentiles at all. But he was dealing with the Most High. So even though he felt some type of way about it, the keys were given to him because they knew he would follow what the Most High say, irregardless of how he personally felt. Read that again, brother. Verse 12, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And of all the heathen, which are called by my name, said the Lord that doeth this. Right. So Cornelius was a Gentile setting the standard for the way the Gentiles to, to be accepted. See? So there was a remnant of Edom. It's not going to be, it won't be a lot of them. But there will be some of them, brothers and sisters. And, you know, you take down, you dilute the strength. Of the tranquilizer, which is the truth, by watering it down and saying it can only go to whoever you think it should go to. We teach the Bible to all men, all women, whoever want to follow the Most High God. That's it. We, I don't have the authority to tell somebody, you can't make it into the kingdom. You're going to be a slave. That's not my, I'm not in the position to do that. Neither are any of us. That's not our position, brothers and sisters. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 12. That they may possess the remnant of Edom and of all the heathen, which are called by my name, said the Lord that do this. Right. Now let's go to Acts 13 and 38. we got a few more scriptures. We just want to we want to make sure we, we tie this thing down so it doesn't come out. Because some brothers and sisters will, now that they know they're Israelites, they're going to run into other Israelites. Who may be, hey, you want to come to my church? You want to do this? And we need to equip them before before that tear, before that weed is rooted up and choke that seed out. We must. We must prepare the brothers and sisters. Let's read Acts 30, uh, 13 and 38 because check this out, brothers and sisters. There was a time where our people were jealous because Gentiles were learning the truth. Same thing is going on today. Read, brother. Acts 13, verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you for the forgiveness of sins. Right, so Paul was the apostle of the Gentiles. Continue. Verse 39. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come, up, come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wander, and perish. For I will work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, through a man declare it unto you. So there was a time where the Israelites were rejecting Paul and the gospel of Christ. So he said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go to the Gentiles next next Sabbath. I'll go to the Gentiles then. Hey, you, you want to reject baptism? You want to reject it? That's fine. And this is what happened. Continue, brother. Verse 42. And when the Jews were going out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. See, so how are you saying the Gentiles weren't being taught? The Gentiles were being taught on the Sabbath, but that's not the key part. Continue, brother. Verse 43. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. 
And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Examine this, brothers and sisters. Verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Read that again, brother. And when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. See? So they rejected the truth. And then <laughs> Paul went to the Gentiles and now they're angry. Now they're angry. They're envious now. You just rejected the truth, brother. You just rejected Christ last week. Now I'm taking it to them. And now all of a sudden you... <laughs> now you got hot air in your chest. You was the same one saying you didn't deal with baptism. Christ wasn't the Savior. So you shouldn't have a problem with me going to Gentiles. Because see, the Gentiles were like... Please give it to me. Your people don't want it. You, you try to give it to your people, they'll fight you on it. Give it to me. Give me all of it. Right. They're taking it. Read it again, brother. Verse 45. Verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Right. So we need to show you that Israel rejected Paul. Paul took it to the Gentiles. Why? To, to provoke his people to jealousy. And that's, and that's what happened. It worked. It worked, brothers and sisters. So we need to show you the correlation between the new and old conversions. Gentiles will learn to follow the proper order. Or you're not getting in. Gentiles will learn to follow the proper order, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Romans 9. We needed to show you that there's nothing new under the sun. The same way Israelites are envious now that we teach Gentiles, they were envious back then. They were envious. As if they have a copyright on the scriptures. Nobody can read these scriptures but me. As if they are the authority of it. Let's go to uh, Romans 9 and 1. We're almost done, brothers and sisters. Romans 9, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. Read that again. Verse 4, who are Israelites. Read verse 3 again, brother. Verse 3, for I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. My kinsmen according to the flesh... Our Israelites, so he, listen, Paul's saying, listen, I, I know I'm the apostle of the Gentiles, but realize, Gentiles, even though you've converted, you're not receiving the covenant. He was making it clear. Read it again, brother. Verse 3, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenant. See, and, and the covenant. See, he was making it clear. Listen. Okay, Gentile, you know, you're learning it, but you do not have access to the physical covenant given to a physical people. He was making it clear. He made it clear, brothers and sisters. So don't think that because an, uh, a Gentile is learning the truth or maybe in the land that they're going to get what belongs to you. That's not going to happen. That's not happening. Continue, brother. Verse 4. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption... And the glory and the covenants and the giving of, of the law and the service of God and the promises. Whose are the fathers and of whom are concerning the flesh Christ came. Concerning the flesh Christ came. See? So he made it perfectly clear that you can receive the truth Gentiles, 
But the covenant, the physical covenant, go to these people. Period. There's, I don't care how many holy days you follow, Sabbath, all of that's fine. That's nice. But the covenant, that promise was given to Abraham. And the Most High is going to keep his promise. And he can't give it, you know, his promise to, to John King who? It's not a promise if you give it to everybody else. Continue, brother. Verse 5. Whose are the fathers, and of whom are as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Read that again, brother. Verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Why? Because if you're not following the doctrine of Christ, doesn't matter if you're an Israelite. Doesn't matter. This is not the old covenant where you just got in because you were an Israelite. Remember, Christ brought a new way. So you would have to follow in suit, like all of us, because why? Christ is the door. And no man cometh to the Father but by him. So if you're trying to come another way, other than the doctrine of Christ, you're a dead man. You're a dead woman. There's only one door, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 7. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham. Read that again. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham. Are they all children? Now it's saying neither because you are the seed of Abraham do the promise go to you. Why? Because Ishmaelites were the seed of Abraham. Edomites were the seed of Abraham. They were all sons of Abraham, but the promise don't go to them. So just because you are a son of Abraham don't mean that you get the covenant. He's making it clear. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 7. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall they seed be called. That is... They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. Our father Isaac. Verse 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. According to election might stand. Who are the elect? The children of Israel are the elect, brothers and sisters. God, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. That haven't happened yet. Verse the, 13. The elder is Esau. He haven't served his younger brother yet. So this is still to come, brothers and sisters. This is still to come. Continue. Verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Is he saying he hates all Edomites? No. Esau was one man. But if you follow in the vein of Esau, which means you have a, some level of venom towards your brother. You're looking to hurt your brother. You're looking to be a fornicator or a man who hate the Most High God. Right. Because the Bible said there was no man more violent or worse fornicated than Esau. If you're dealing in that spirit, the most high hate you. And see, Christians never bring the scripture out because they want you to believe God is just love. Just love, brother. Just love. Right. God don't hate. It's just love. How are you going to build a doctrine based on an emotion? Doesn't make any sense. If you can hate and you're made in his image, are you superior than the most high in regards to? Emotion? Of course not. All right? Continue, brother. Verse 14. What shall we say then? 
Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So you, some people will say this is not right. But the most high is the most high and you're a man or you're a woman. So whoever the most high say he's going to have compassion on or whoever he choose, you don't have a say so. <laughs> I don't have a say so. Read it again, brother. Verse, verse 15. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, that the, that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Right, so he raised Esau, the Edomites, up to show his power. He let them, listen, he gave them a long leash. You, you know, he give you enough rope until you hang yourself. You can take that long leash, but he's doing this to show his power. Continue, brother. Verse 19 or verse 18. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will have whom he will. He hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but O man, who art thou that replieth against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Right. So the Most High is the creator. We're in no position to question him or negotiate. You're not in the negotiating position. Neither am I. Whatever he says goes, and that's it. Continue, brother. Verse 21. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Right. So some people were made just to be just to be destroyed, mm-hmm. to beat in the powder. The Most High say, Christ is going to beat these governments into powder, into dust. Continue, brother. <clears throat> Verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Right. Now, let's go to Romans 11. Read 1 through 10. Because some Christians say, well, you know what? The Israelites rejected Paul. So because of that, we're the new Israelites. The the promise goes to us because all Israelites rejected Paul. That's what they claim, which they couldn't be further from the truth. Because on Pentecost in Acts, there was Israelites who were baptized, (laughs) Remember where they, they had the gift of tongues, where they started understanding the same, the, the same understanding, but they were from different lands. After that happened, the gift of tongues, the Holy Spirit came down on them. They went to the water. So there was Israelites who didn't reject Christ or Paul. But Christians will use this to say that the Israelites are done away with and the promise go to spiritual Israelites. Mm-hmm. Uh, read verse one, brother. Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Read that again. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. So is Israel done away with? God forbid. That means no. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul was saying, I'm an Israelite. He was magnifying his office, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 2. God had not cast away his people, which he foreknew. 
what ye what ye not the what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There's a remnant, brothers and sisters. Verse six. And if by grace, then is it no more of works? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Right. Continue. Verse seven. What then? Israel had not obtained that which he seeketh for. But the election hath attained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, until this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, and that they may not see, and bow down their back always. Continue. Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? So they stumbled, right. Who was that? The ten tribes who were taken out of the land. Will they be destroyed because they stumbled? Because they fell away for a while? Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles. Through our fall, salvation came unto the Gentiles. Continue. For to provoke them to jealousy. See, to provoke us to jealousy. See, when Paul went to the Gentiles and it made us angry, he was doing that so he could save our people. Because our people don't want to see nobody have the, the promises but us. We won't follow it until it's in jeopardy of being taken away, though. See? And it worked. He said, you know what? I'm going to teach Gentiles. All of a sudden, our people want to hear the word again. <laughs> Amazing thing, isn't it? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Salvation is the riches of the world, brothers and sisters, and we're going to prove that. Continue. Verse 12, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? How much is so if the if the Gentiles, the nations got rich through our fall? All this money, all this gold that's being traded came from the temple. This is all of this stuff belonged to our people. If they got rich through our fall, right? Because the Bible tells you that they were sending gifts to each other, the Gentiles, when we fell down. Because why? Because they remember that Israel would come with day behind when they broke the Most High's law. So they're happy about that. They still remember it to this day. There was times where our people didn't lose a man fighting them. And they remember that. That's why they knock us upside the head every time they get a chance. Because the Most High, I mean, because Israel was the Most High's paddle. He used us as a paddle against the Gentiles when they broke the Most High's law. Let's go to uh, Revelations 11 to show you what it means where it says uh, the Gentiles got rich. Because through our fall, we became a commodity. We became a commodity, brothers and sisters, through our fall. They got rich. We became a commodity. We're going to read 9 through 14, chapter 11. Revelations 11, verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, 
and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another. See, they were sending gifts to one another, brothers and sisters. They was happy. They're like, oh, they done? They down? We was just waiting on them to fall. They was happy about this, brothers and sisters. Continue. Verse 10. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. Now, I need to be clear. These two prophets are who? Judah and Israel. Because why? In the Old Testament, the kingdom was split. So I've heard so much speculation and prophecy on who these two witnesses are. This is Judah and Israel when the kingdom was split. When we were together, we used to spank their behinds for the most high in righteousness. Continue, brother. Verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them which saw them. Right. So read that one more time, brother. Verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of the life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them that saw them. So it was prophesied that we would wake up and that fear have befallen them right now. They see slipping away right now. Verse 12, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake was slain of men 7,000 and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe is past and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. So we wanted to show you that it was prophesied that we would wake up and they would be frightened. But the one thing is they sent gifts to each other. They set up a system where they could financially benefit through our darkness. It was, it was very cunning how they did this. It was meticulous. They found out a way where they could be financially paid through our darkness. Right? They set up a grid that worked for them and kept us in darkness, kept us in sin. Now, no slaves, no stock market. So if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't have no money. How do we prove that? Go to Revelations 18 and 11 to prove to you that without slaves, there's no stock market. The stock market was built on slaves. That's what the human resource is. Verse 1. Uh, we're going to read 11, and thir- uh, 11 through 13. We've got about two more scriptures. We're going to close it out. Revelations 18 verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. This is after Babylon is destroyed. Verse 12. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones. Read 11 one more time, brother. Verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise any more. What merchandise? Mm-hmm. Verse 12. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thine wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and the beast and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and what and slaves and what and slaves and N- souls of men no slaves no stock market brothers and sisters we are a commodity through our fall we became a commodity they're financially gaining through our fall you think that they they they're content 
they're not looking to give us the truth, brothers and sisters. They are financially set through our captivity. They are not looking to change this. And this is why they're fighting so hard to not give us the true understanding of who we are. And they're fighting against Christ because they know. They know what's next. It's already written, brothers and sisters. Let's, let's go to our last two scriptures. We're going to Isaiah 49 and 6. Isaiah 49 verse 6. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles. Read that again, brother. I will also give thee a light for the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. We are supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, brothers and sisters. What do a light do? A light shows the way, brothers and sisters. Because they are going to hell if they don't get right. And it's on us to show them how to worship the Most High before it's too late. We're supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. We're not supposed to reject the Gentiles. Now, if you reject the Most High, you reject the Higher, then I reject you. But if you're looking to follow the Most High God, give alms, give respect, be in order to the Israelites, then we're going to help assist you. We're going to facilitate you getting the understanding that you need to please the Most High God. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 6. And he said, It is a light thing that that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Right. Go to Proverbs 6 and 23 to show you. What is a light? What does a light do, brothers and sisters? Because we're supposed to be the light. Let us show you what the light does. Proverbs 6, verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. Well, hold on. Read that again. For the commandment is a lamp. See, the commandment is the light. So they need to know the commandments. Who can teach them better? Who can teach them about the commandments more than our people? Read it again, brother. Verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light. The law is light. See? Who can teach them the law but us? And reproofs of instruction are the way of life. See? So we are supposed to give them the light. The light is the law. Last scripture, brothers, this is Deuteronomy 4, 5 and 6. This is the importance, brothers and sisters. You want your recognition, Israel, this is how you get your recognition. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Deuteronomy 4 and 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the, la in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. Read that again, brother. Verse 6. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. This is how the Gentiles will understand that we are wise people and a righteous people through the law. This is how we get the recognition. This is exact. They will say. Read it again, brother. Verse 6. Keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. Which shall I... Which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. See, that's your recognition. Give them the light. And they will realize, Hold on, these are righteous, regal, royal people. No people like these on the earth. Because we would teach them. Continue, brother. Verse 7. 
For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? See, this is how we get the recognition, brothers and sisters. As the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? See, look at that, brothers and sisters. The, the law, the light is the way we get our recognition. They're not going to recognize us for being tough or for jumping out the gym. <laughs> you get the recognition for teaching them the law and the understanding of how to please the Most High God. Because why? Anybody who's this close to God is a righteous people, a royal people. So, brothers and sisters, this was the understanding on being a light to the Gentiles, the understanding of conversions. How we must treat the Gentiles, what our responsibility is in Gentiles for them to know what their place is in the kingdom. Because they have a place. As long as you're in order, everything will be copacetic. We want to say, Kwam Yashar Allah. Kwam Yashar Allah. Sin no more. Sin no more. 